Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today here at the NBC Sports Charlotte Studios for a new limited run of the NASCAR NBC podcast through the playoffs. We're going to talk every Monday with a NASCAR America analyst about playoff race that just occurred. Of course, we just had the regular season finale, so this will be setting up the playoffs for 2019 with Jeff Burton, the mayor. Thanks for being here. Good to be here. It's a fun time of year. Yeah, it is. And a lot to talk about after a very eventful day at the Brickyard. So uh, let's start here. I, I heard you talking about what you guys were talking about today on NASCAR America this morning. And you described this playoff field of 16 drivers as possibly, might not be the strongest field yeah. NASCAR's ever had, but possibly the most wide open field that they've ever had. Yeah, you know, it, it, it interests me a lot because I, I have a hard time sensing who the favorite is. You know, last year we talked to nauseum about the big three, right? Big three, big three. And it was very clear who they were. If I said to you today, who are the big three? I think you and I could debate. We'd probably get one or two the same, but the third one, it's hard to tell. And and we had we had teams and drivers that were just red hot early in the year that are no longer red hot. We had drivers and teams that weren't good early in the year that are really good now. Uh, and then... Uh, we have some team, you know, Eric Amarola, who's going to be our guest today on, on NASCAR America. He's a good example. Like, you know, if you'd have said to me, is he going to advance out of the first round of the playoffs through two months ago? I'd have said, oh, yeah, no problem. But they don't seem to be able to find themselves a top ten lately. So how are you going to advance out of the out of the playoff, out of the first round, uh, when really, you know, there's so many people that don't have the advantage of playoff points, right? And so it's going to be really compelling to watch and see what happens starting at Vegas, you know, because every race, one of three, I mean, it's 33% of it, man. You better make it happen. And last year, Las Vegas was almost as chaotic as Indy was yesterday in terms of a lot of contenders being involved in a lot of wrecks. And when you look at the point situation here, Jeff, who do you look at and say, is it a Ryan Newman who he, he goes in with, with no playoff points, but yet I could see him getting through the first round easily. Well, it's not going to be easy <laughs> for okay. Ryan Newman. It never is for no, Ryan Newman. because the way that they have to do it with the speed that they have, because they're the slowest of everyone that's in, in my eyes, they have the, he has the slowest car of everyone that's in the playoffs. But what he does have is a will and a determination and a skill set that matches, you're not going to pass me, right? It matches with today's... Uh, rules packages and all those kind of things, right? So I see him as – I don't think it's going to be easy for him, but no, it would not surprise me to see him uh, advance into the next round. But he won't be one of those guys that we leave Richmond saying, oh, he's in. Like, we'll go it's going to be a fight. Yes, way. we'll go right. to Talladega. And by the way, you know, that's problematic. In, I'm sorry, the Roval, that's problematic in itself, uh, going to the Roval and that being – 
a huge part of this playoff and and how who can get through that that's part of that is part of this problem as well so looking at the guys here in the bottom half you know we were talking last night on victory lap like who were the dark horses and to me i think you look at the top six guys uh, in the playoff rankings, that's Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski. I would put all of them in the contenders class. And yep. then I don't, is it fair to start at Chase Elliott and say from their back, Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman, Eric Jones, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, Byron, Elmer, LaBoyer, Newman, are all those guys potentially dark horses? It so feels I'm, that way to me. So I'm going to put my, I'm going to put my glasses on. So, so <laughs> did a little research, got one of my racing insight guys today and I was until Harvick just won. I was a winningest driver at, at New Hampshire, right? So every single time I went to New Hampshire, they said, that, that's the favorite. Yeah, not so much. Like toward the end of my career, I, I shouldn't have been the favorite. Even though they said I was, I wasn't because what have you done for me lately? So when I go back and look at, you know, what have you done for me lately? I think you're right. You know, I think that you can't consider Chase Elliott a contender because he hasn't done anything lately. No top tens in four of the last five. And right. struggled at top tens and, top, He did yeah. have top tens in four last five, and one of those was a win. But, like, do you see the power? Do you see the strength that you see from other teams? I don't. So I think it starts with him, but I think he's on, he's more on the contender than not. And I think from behind him down, then, yeah, I agree with you. I, I have a hard time with, with Kurt Busch because when I, when I look at what Kurt Busch has done, again, three top tens in the last seven races. Is that going to be enough to even get into the next round? He has a little bit of a point advantage, but not that much. I think for this first round, who cannot make mistakes is really what it's going to boil down to. I just I see all of these teams just mistake-ridden. You know, they just can't seem to find a rhythm. To, now, Kyle Larson down on 11th. Kyle Larson and Blaney. Larson's 11th and Blaney is 12th with 2,005, 2,004 points. That's the best two of the guys that aren't in one of those contenders. If I look at what Kyle Larson's done lately, I would consider him a contender. He's been right. really, really good. So all of what we're talking about here is why I look <laughs> at this and I'm like, I don't know that stats matter. I don't know. I don't know because I just I view that everybody is having uh, perhaps as many weaknesses as they do strengths from Chase Elliott down. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot of teams that just need to clean things up during a race. And uh, But, but. We say that. Easier said Clearly, than done, right? it's not that easy. <laughs> well, that's what I'm getting. Why the lack of execution this year? Is it the new uh, the rules package? Is it maybe the stage? I mean, it seems like teams are still trying to grasp the concept of stage racing and strategy in year three. So every race we've gone to is really a new adventure. I mean, if you think about it with this rules package, uh, we go to Indy. And what you did at Indy last year, it doesn't matter what you did, you know, because it's a completely different rules package. So I understand that you're learning and you feel like you're getting smarter but you know the cars were actually faster at indy this year on lap 10 than they were last year with way less horsepower who would have thought that when the teams unloaded they were nobody was happy everybody was really frustrated with their cars the way they drove so it shows you how hard it is to figure out and connect all the dots darlington's a one-off race indy's a one-off race you start thinking about that stuff and it's just had a major impact Bristol, they continually change how they put the, the, the traction compound down. So every week's been a learning experience. Last year, you had the big three. You had Kyle Busch, you had Martin Drex Jr., you had Kevin Harvick. And it seemed like those guys were lead pipe cinch locks yeah. to make the championship round. And all three of them did. When you look at how it lays out this year, Kyle Busch has 45 playoff points. Mm -hmm. And then there's the drop-off back to Hamlin 
with 30. Yep. Uh, Truex with 29, Harvick with 28. Is Bush the only guy based on playoff points? I mean, he's got almost a full race uh, of playoff points that he's taking uh, in. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's the only I, guy you can really can say, uh, that's a guy who's definitely going to get to the third round, probably I, the championship. I do because then you have the next uh, four, I'm sorry, five that are separate, one, two, three, four, the next four that are separated by two points. So there's four spots and there's six people, right? And you put Kyle Busch in there, yeah, there's two of those that, that, that it won't work out for. So, yeah, I, I don't – and then when you look at who they are, I, listen, I, I think Denny Hamlin, right, if you look at Denny Hamlin with 30 playoff points, that's the second most. And then Kevin Harvick uh, with 28. They're the two out of the group that I think are the best right now. I mean, what Kevin Harvick's done for the last two months – Really, really good. What Denny Hamlin's been doing, really, really good. Even yesterday, Denny Hamlin, with a tore-up nose, every time I look up, there he is running fourth, fifth. He didn't have a winning car, but he clawed it out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He just made it happen, and that's not the kind of race we would have, in my opinion, and Denny may disagree with this, but that's not the kind of race we would have seen from Denny Hamlin 10 years ago. That is today's Denny Hamlin, and uh, that's a compliment. We all get better, hopefully, at what we do. And Denny Hamlin's operating at his top level right now. And so I view Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick, they're my big three, but nothing as clear as it was last year with last year's big three. That's interesting because, you know, Truex, it's only one point more than Harvick, but he's actually third in the standings, not in your big three. He has four wins this year, but it feels like that team has been relatively quiet the last half of the summer. Well, the wor and the worst stretch of their season is in the last three races. And... You know, I have a little bit of a problem with being able to just turn it on when the playoffs start. We hear that, right? We hear, well, we can just turn it on. And maybe, maybe they're better, they're good enough to get through the, for this round, which they probably are, and get that momentum going again, right? Get things going in a positive direction, and they just got to get through this first round. And they should be able to get through this first round. The question is, who can take this first round and use it to improve and use it to get better? And again... You got Vegas, which is a mile and a half, and I think that's the most important race. Who runs well at Vegas? Because, you know, you have mile and a halves. Who runs well at Richmond? Who gets through the Roval? Right? You just got to get through the Roval because your success at the Roval means nothing other than whether you're going to advance, advance or not. But you can go win the Roval, and that doesn't mean you're going to go to Phoenix and run well. You can go to Richmond and run well, and you say, okay, we got a, our short track program is pretty good. You can go to Vegas and run well and say, okay, a mile and a half program is pretty good. Those races are the most important in regard to us being able to determine who can move forward in these playoffs. But those aren't necessarily, like you said, I mean, last year the Roval effectively decided the fate of a lot of drivers, even though it, it wasn't really indicative of how they might run through the majority of the playoffs, right? <laughs> there's no, yeah. There's no way we can have another one like that, is it? I mean, that was the Roval last year was nuts. <laughs> That's the hardest racetrack. The Roval is the hardest. It's the most difficult. It's the most challenging. It will have a major impact on who makes it into the next round. And some people like that and some people don't. You know, should there be a road course in, you know, in the playoffs? The fact now that we have three road races makes me say, okay. Uh, when we had two, I'm like, no way. There's no way a road course should be in. But now that they've added a road course, I'm, I'm okay with it. But, wow, that is a very, very difficult, very, very difficult race to determine who's going to make it to the next round. Well, I got a kick out of uh, Marty Snyder was talking to Ryan Blaney over, during our coverage over the weekend, and he said that Jeremy Bowens, his crew chief, had said that they fear the first round most of all. Here's the defending winner of the Roval, and they're talking about 
know, like, I mean, yeah. it feels like the, the level of trepidation around that race and that course has almost supplanted Talladega as like the new X factor. Well, it should. Yeah. And so, and so what, so I think what's fascinating was that, what does that mean to the first two races? What does that mean to the race at Vegas? That makes the intensity of having to do well in Vegas that much bigger because who, who in this group, I would say Martin Truex Jr., is it fair to say he's the best road racer? Yeah, definitely. Of this yeah. group? Who else? Harvick ran, did not, he ran bad at the Roval last year. Yeah, Harvick has not really been on his game. I mean, he wasn't great at the Glen either. Not, not I mean, a good road racer. I, I would put Hamlin in the category. Okay. Kyle Busch, maybe, but we saw him have a horrid weekend at the Glen. And I don't see, I don't, and Blaney, he's been, he's been, I know he won last year, caught a break and won, but he's been good at other road courses too. But I just don't have a, a whole list of drivers here that say, well, they'll be really comfortable with the role. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of guys who can be I nervous. I see three or four of them at the most, more like two or three. Yeah, and especially if Vegas turns out to be the wild card that it was last year. Maybe there is something to that. Maybe guys are pressing more in the opener because the, the Roval is looming. So who is the, the, year that, the year that Ryan Newman made the, the finals at Homestead? Who is this year's Ryan Newman? I don't think it's Ryan Newman. I think you're right. I think he doesn't have the speed to get to the championship round like he did in 2014. 2014, he didn't have the wins, but I think he he had like a 6th to 10th place car a lot of the time, and now it feels like it's more back half of yeah. the yeah. top 20 most of the time. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, there's got to be somebody lurking, though. There always is. There's always somebody who gets to that third round. Does a Byron qualify? I mean, it feels to me, though, like Byron is on the cusp of maybe getting that first win. I, I think he's on the cusp, but I think I, to me it's, a, it's, number one, who is that underdog, right? I, yeah. So I think that when I look at this list, I have a hard time getting there with Newman. I have a hard time getting there with Almirola. I have a hard time because I just don't see the being able to execute with Boyer. Byron, too. Byron qualifies well, but is, are you going to be a top ten your way? to Miami I see you know to me it's it's Ryan Blaney and Eric Jones one of those two a young like when I look at that who is the young guy major I don't want to say major undog but who is that and I think it's either Eric Jones or Ryan Blaney I think one of those two one of those two can find it Eric Jones is has more speed but Ryan Blaney is just just kind of there every week, you know what I mean? But I, it would not surprise me to see one of those two get in. Last year, Stuart Haas Racing got all four of their drivers into the third round. Is Joe Gibbs Racing, you mentioned Jones, you mentioned Denny Hamlin having seemingly a, a career-type season. Is Joe Gibbs Racing this year, Stuart Haas Racing, that you would expect all four of their guys probably get through round three? Uh, um, or maybe even the championship round, I don't know. Would we have that sort of I, unprecedented I, I, situation? I don't think I don't think we'll have them all. I, 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 um, because there's so much... You know, once as we talked before, there's so many people that seem like they run the same. I just I, I have a hard time believing that we're not going to have, you know, Harvick there, uh, one or two Penske cars in there, one or two of the, of the uh, Ganassi cars. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I mean, would it, would I, if I said to you in the last round you're going to have Kyle Larson in there, would you be? I wouldn't be surprised. No, would no. you be surprised with Kurt Busch? No, wouldn't be surprised. Like. But so there's so many of those that are in that same category. It's going to be hard for them to move everybody that far along. That goes back to what we were saying at the top. It just it feels more wide open. And and the other and we, we talked about the role, and now we'll, we'll talk about it again. But it shows you how there was a time in the sport where you really didn't have to put that much emphasis on road course racing. You could say the same about Daytona and Talladega, right? And th 
so think about Chip Ganassi racing in regard to Daytona and Talladega. Think how far off they have been. Can you afford to not put effort into Daytona and Talladega? It's easy in the regular season, but as soon as you put a road course in the playoffs and as soon as you put Talladega or Daytona in the playoffs, if you weren't working on it a year ago, how are you going to run? How are you going to compete, right? So I'm interested to see if they can step those games up. The guys that weren't good on road courses, the guys that weren't good at Daytona and Talladega in the first races – they're going to have to be better than they were early in the year. So that's the playoffs. A lot to watch there. I want to get your thoughts on two more things from yesterday, Jeff. The first being Jimmy Johnson, obviously being one of the big storylines, missing the playoffs for the first time in 16 seasons of the playoffs existence. Him being Jimmy, being one of the classiest drivers in NASCAR history, not just a seven-time champion, but the ultimate consummate professional. He's been tweeting today. I'm back at it. He's got a tweet of him at Hendrick Motorsports this morning, and the sun still came up. We were as determined (laughs) as ever. There's still 10 races to go. But NASCAR Playoff Media Day is going to happen on Thursday in Las Vegas, and for the first time ever, Jimmy Johnson won't be a part of it. And surely you know what this is like. To deal with that, that, that's going to go through his mind, I would think, this week, and that that realization that, man, I'm not going to be a part of this conversation for the next 10 races. So I've tried to put myself in his shoes, and I can't. So I understand uh, the feelings of not being successful, but I don't understand the feeling of being that uber successful and then not making the playoffs. I mean, that's that's catastrophic almost uh, in in how I would feel. Now, I will say this. I spent about 30 minutes just talking to Jimmy Johnson away from everybody uh, at Darlington, and he convinced me, that he wanted to make the playoffs, clearly wanted to make the playoffs. But if he didn't make the playoffs, it's okay, as long as they're moving forward, as long as they take the next 10 races and he and Cliff Daniels and that team start moving in the right direction. And he also convinced me that, you know, I asked him, you know, or, or actually uh, maybe maybe Latard asked him, you know, okay, what, what's, what's the deal? Like, are you going to keep doing this? Right, because he's only – Sign through next year, and yeah, like, that's the decision now. Is he's got to figure that out over and, the next? And that, yeah, he'll have to figure that out over the next probably six months or so, right? And and uh, he convinced me that he wasn't quitting like this. Like he he wasn't going to leave Cup racing, you know, where he couldn't be successful. He wanted to leave when it was his time. And I reminded him that I remember leaving Pocono, going to the airport, and there was a minivan in front of me, and they had written on the back of the minifan, uh, Dale, time to cash in the 401k. <laughs> As in Dale Earnhardt, who had been winless. Correct. One and season, the yeah. next year he finished second in points and seemed poised to make a run the following year. And, and so I reminded him of that because everybody goes through it, and it's just you don't expect, you know, Muhammad Ali got knocked down, right? You just don't expect it. And it's easy for us on the outside to say, Jimmy, it's going to be okay. But I think he believes it's going to be okay. And I think that he believes that they made, they've made the right changes, that the team will move forward. Uh, he knows that they have some challenges ahead of him. He knows that there's, you know, it's not going to be easy. But I believe that Jimmy Johnson is 100% committed to getting the ship righted. And I would be shocked if they didn't. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go out and win eight races and a championship, but I don't I just don't see Jimmy Johnson leaving the sport on a year 
not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. he certainly has the belief. You're right about that. Uh, well, and here, uh, Brad Kislowski had some strong pointed words about Indianapolis Motor mm -hmm. Speedway's interior wall there off turn two when he had that crash yesterday in the tire barrier. You, you were doing the radio style broadcast. I don't know how much you got to see it then. I presume you've had a chance to, to look at it. You know, your thoughts, you've always been an innovator in safety. Yeah. Where do you feel like the track should land on that? Well, I mean, I think he's right. I, I think that we have to work hard. Uh, you know, you can see uh, when he makes contact, there's the biggest part of this problem is the angle of the wall where he, where he makes that contact. There's right. a change in angle, and there's a point there. It's really difficult for a racetrack to have every wall perfect, but they have to try. Right, so you have the entrance, the exit of a road course. You have car egress. You have to get uh, rescue personnel onto the racetrack. They have to have, have a way to do that. Be behind a wall so they can't get hit. Uh, there's challenges there, uh, but the racetracks have to be working to find a way. Now that we can debate all day long whether a tire barrier should be there versus a safer barrier. You know, I don't like tire barriers, with the exception of the car getting on its side. I didn't like to see that. But I thought the tire barrier did a good job of protecting Brad Keselowski. So I can't fault the tire barrier, but the racetrack certainly has to – every racetrack. You mm -hmm. know, uh, Greg Moore was killed uh, a long time ago, hitting a place in the inside wall where he should have never hit. And that should not have been an opportunity for him to be killed. After skidding across the grass. Correct. Which was later paved yeah. and and so we can't keep learning relearning the same lesson yeah uh, but but it's not as easy as just saying well fix this because the track does have logistical things they have to deal with uh and i, I doug bowles I, from indianapolis he met with uh brad at the racetrack which is awesome uh he wanted to he he said some indy car drivers had mentioned the same thing to him they'll address it that racetrack's been very safety forward uh they'll address it and find a way but it, it, we have to i've said this forever man i've said to, to you a thousand times you can't reach safety it's a moving target you're never going to hit it. you have to constantly be pushing yourself to be better at it and that that's a good example and i i, I again i we can debate the tire wall or but the angle of walls has to, we always have to be working to make that yeah, the best. Can be. But like you said, I mean, there'd be no safer barriers if not for Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So if there's a track that's going to be proactive. Yeah, and, and Brad and Brad knows that too. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I listen. I I like the way Brad approached that yesterday. You know what I mean? I like the fact that he didn't just get out and start screaming and yelling. He said, "Look, you know, I didn't. You know what I mean? He he approached that right. And that's how Brad is. Brad wants to be involved. He wants to be involved in a sport. He wants to be moving the ball forward. Uh, he's very pro." You know, let's make it better. Uh, he puts a lot of time and effort and energy, gives us commitment to do that, and, and he'll he'll make sure that, that they stay involved in it. I'm glad to see that he's okay, and we'll be watching him throughout the playoffs. And appreciate you coming on here and giving your, us all your, your insight as always, Jeff. Look, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think I think the pressure starts when they drop when when the tail, when the gates lower at Vegas. The pressure is on right then. Every practice, every lap, every qualifying lap will be high pressure the whole time. Our thanks again to Jeff Burton for joining us. As I mentioned, this will become a regular weekly feature on the NASCAR and NBC podcast through the remainder of the 2019 playoffs. Every Monday, we'll be talking to one of our NASCAR America analysts 
about the previous race and looking ahead to the next race in the 2019 Cup playoffs. Should be good. And a note that we taped this before Monday's NASCAR America. That was also before the news had broke about Paul Menard retiring from the Wood Brothers Racing number 21 next season. Matt Benedetto will be taking over that ride in 2021. And you can see Matt Benedetto talking about that Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN, NASCAR America Motormouths. Matt DiBenedetto will be the guest, so be sure to check out Matty D. Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN, NASCAR America Motormouths. Uh, this weekend, as I mentioned, NASCAR kicks off the playoffs at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We've got practice on Friday, September 13th at 4.40 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN and 7.30 p.m. Eastern, the final cup practice on NBCSN. That's 7.30 p.m. Eastern Friday. Saturday, we'll have NASCAR Cup qualifying at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN and also the NASCAR Xfinity race from Las Vegas. Countdown to Green begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And Sunday, the opener to the 2019 Cup playoffs at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That will get started with pre-race coverage at 5 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN, NASCAR America taking you through to Countdown to Green at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN, and then the opener to the 2019 NASCAR playoffs at Las Vegas at 7 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. As always, we appreciate you listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Be sure to spread the word by leaving a rating and review or tweeting about it, posting about it on social media. That always helps us as well with getting the word out there that this is something you'll want to listen to, especially during the last 10 races of the 2019 season as we build toward who will win the Cup Championship. And as always, you can also send me feedback on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.